0: Minimists,
1: <laughs> hello, patrons. It's overtime. Well, it's overrated time. <laughs> I don't think this time is overrated. No, we're gonna talk about overrated virtues today. Oh, yeah, do uh, we agree on 12 of those 13 virtues? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I have uh, I have Paul Bloom in my corner, and you have I don't know who the <laughs> author of The Secret. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I mean, there's, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Go for
1: it. Uh, Well, that's the first thing I want to talk about. So I've got our book, Love People Use Things, pulled up here. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to read each of these because you're going to have to read the book if you want to. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But 13 Overrated Virtues, and I'll just read the first paragraph here. Now that we've surveyed the most important qualities of worthwhile relationships, so we go through the eight most important qualities in a worthwhile relationship in this book, We must also consider the virtues we've been acculturated to believe are noble, but are often overrated. Uh, Number one is loyalty. Number two is honor. Mm -hmm. So we overrate loyalty and honor. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with loyalty and honor. I want to be clear Mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think loyalty is important. But when it's the number one thing, like if Ryan just starts uh, molesting children, Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm... Um, I'm loyal
0: to him. Yeah, no. And it's part of my honor to be loyal. uh, yeah, Yeah, yeah. And so...
1: Um, uh, I also quote someone who, Tamler Summers, who, who talks about honor. Mm-hmm. He actually gives a really good case for honor, but I, I try to then argue uh, against it. Uh, righteousness is another one. So righteousness is an overrated virtue. I think we all want to be right. The problem is that we are self-righteous. Mm. And there's a difference there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it clouds our judgment. and Actually, it keeps us being wrong more often when we are nothing but self-righteous. Mm-hmm uh transparency is another one mm-hmm. we often hear uh, and we, there's a whole section about transparency in this and earlier in the book uh we do it there's a whole chapter in here about our relationship with the truth and um man uh transparency is this weird word because it sounds good at first we hear politicians talk about like my administration's going to be the most transparent y- you don't want that transparent means you would disclose the nuclear codes mm. you want to be open yeah if I was completely transparent, I would just give you my social security number right here on the air. Yeah. I'd tweet it. Sure. Uh, that's transparency. Yeah. That is... I think it's actually... It accomplishes the opposite of what we're trying to accomplish. When We're nothing but transparent. It's word salad. It's vomiting up our emotions. It's uh, it's everything I feel inside and in my head just spewed onto the microphone or the page
0: or toward friends. <laughs> yeah, trends. makes me think of recreational outrage. Yes. Like, that's a very... Yeah, transparent action.
1: Yes. Yeah. Pleasure is another overrated virtue. Mm. I'm not against pleasure, but uh, we talk about hedonism well, in here and Stoicism.
0: Yeah, maybe we do agree on everything here because yeah, I, there there are virtues that we can take too far.
1: That's what. Yeah, that, that's exactly what yeah. I'm saying here. Yeah. There are others that we can't, like caring. Mm. I mean I, I don't think that or you can love. Take, yeah yeah not, you, you don't take loving too far you take other things too far right right uh, uh, so pleasure comfort is sort of the twin virtue right. with with pleasure right which is weird because usually the things that give us pleasure are somewhere outside of the comfort zone the immediate the, the most plush comfort zone yeah and, and so but they, they do go they do go together uh, lust is, is an overrated mm-hmm. virtue and we all experience it as human beings, especially, we just did the hormones episode with um, Adam Lamb, mm-hmm. and lust is a great thing. Uh, there's a quote I have from Taylor Tomlinson, who I think the editor wants me to take out of the book, but I don't know that I'm going to. Uh, the stand-up comedian uh, Taylor Tomlinson, she said, love is blind, lust is Helen Keller. <laughs> and uh, man, I know there's something that was just so powerful about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when lust takes over, we lose all our senses. Yeah, don't get me wrong, I enjoy sex, uh, and, and I think yearning for the right person makes life more enjoyable. But I don't want the just my biological appetite.
0: Mm-hmm. to run the whole show right
1: it's a disaster when yeah. that happens
0: yeah it's very similar to pleasure yeah,
1: yeah. there are pa- whole parodies of this right yeah uh w- where it's like it's the the knuckle dragging guy who's like oogling women or other men if that's his
0: proclivity yeah. right um <laughs> is knuckle dragging that seems like a very derogatory caveman term oh it is I, <laughs> <laughs> I hope the cavemen listening to this aren't offended. <laughs> Oh, here's another one. Agreeability. That's an overrated virtue. Mm.
1: And I think that's especially pertinent to this. We're going to get to some other ones here in a moment. Mm. But agreeability. And you might say, well, of course you want to be agreeable. And I I agree that you want to be agreeable. Mm -hmm. But often we take it too far. Uh, And there are some times where we can just nod our head and smile. Uh, Where was I? I was was at cryotherapy because I was having really bad inflammation this week in my joints. I went to cryotherapy and... It was right when they announced they were reclosing the bars mm. to in, in Los Angeles County, right yeah and she was like, I don't know why we don't just shut everything down I I could care less about the economy and um. I'm just like I just smile at her like,
0: okay like I, I don't know what to tell you like I'm not gonna sit there and agree with you yeah that's yeah that's so interesting because it's like okay, you could care less about the economy mm-hmm. but that's you. Like the, right. there's so many there're million what are, how many out of work right now 30 40 million people out of 40 work 40 million It's unbelievable. Yes. And yeah. so you can say you don't care about the economy but you know yeah. what I do care
1: about? the people who are affected by this. Yes. There are bartenders and, and, and waitresses and managers, just the bars alone who are now suffering, who can't pay their rent. Who's supposed to take care of them? Now I'm not saying it's a good thing that we all need to pack into bars immediately and, and spread the coronavirus. Don't, mm-hmm. don't mistake me here. In fact, I have a whole commentary I want to get into in a moment about, uh, Idiots who just refuse to wear masks on
0: principle. Um, yeah,
1: we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the government's
0: that. trying to kill you. It's all about compliance, dude. It blows my mind the things that we weaponize in this country, man. Like so? masks, masks being one of them. Yeah, how it's yeah. Well, we'll okay. Well, let's let's dive into
1: it now. So, so uh, we had a guy at our coffee shop last week and uh, uh and oh i didn't hear we, about weaver this. was telling me it's always like it's always 40 year old white men yeah i'm like well as a 40 year old white man almost 40 i'm 39 now oh, i i can identify um but and, and so i can have some compassion as well um but they are often outraged like we're not we don't take so the coffee shop right now it's it's contactless right because mm-hmm. of coronavirus and yeah. and we're still serving coffee to people yeah. and we're still you know going out of our way to create an outstanding customer experience given the current environment the current constraints and in doing so Sometimes people get upset because I walk up to the door mm-hmm. and we aren't open. The shop isn't open. You can't come sit down in there yet. Yeah. But also, like, we won't take your cash or your card right there. It's contactless because we're trying to look out for no one in, in the shop has gotten coronavirus. And yeah, knock on wood, right? <laughs> and and that table's real wood, so you can knock on a lot, Ryan. <laughs> um. So so we have we have these folks who occasionally will get upset. And they will throw a fit mm-hmm. and you know cuss us out or 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed this trend recently uh, where you see videos of people like don't, they don't want to wear their mask in the store. It's and immature, dude. And they're thr- and it's like you realize this is a store policy, right? Mm-hmm. And if you want to shop in that store, then it's it's no so different from no shirt, no shoes, no service. <laughs>
0: I saw I saw a Costco message. It was like, you have to wear a mask if you want to shop at our store. This is on Facebook. And then someone messaged. They were like, If I have to wear a mask in your store, then I won't be shopping there. And Costco was like, Yeah, that's what we just said. <laughs> it's yeah. a private
1: business. Like Here, here's the thing. Yeah. I think a lot of these these guys who who are Refusing to wear, and throwing a tantrum about it—they're the same guys who throw a tantrum when they get alone with a woman, and, and the woman asks them to wear a condom when they're going to have sex, it's, and they're like, "It's yeah." It, it's the same
0: that weird entitlement. It's a level of immaturity and uh, just not liking to do what you're told, which goes back to my point of it just being a lot of immaturity. And anything out there that's like, "Oh, the masks," it's actually because the, the the craziest argument I've heard about the mask is. Oh, well, you know uh God gave you this respiratory system to function properly, and if you put a mask on it, then you're all you 're doing is you 're breathing back in your c o two and the the germs that your body is releasing it 's like you realize surgeons on a regular basis have to wear masks right for sometimes twenty hours straight, yeah, and there is no proof whatsoever to show that a surgeon has a shorter lifespan because they have to wear masks on a regular basis like there's no factual evidence to this. Yeah. But, it's, but I think it's the immature people who, they don't like being told what to do. Mm. So then they're grasping at straws. So then they find every point that they can yeah. find to be like, oh, well, here's why I don't wear a mask. It's yeah. the New World Order trying to make us compliant. It's like, uh. Well, yeah. let me be clear. I don't think I, I
1: don't. I'm not in favor of government mandating no. people wearing masks. No. I, I want to be clear about that. Uh, what I'm saying is, I am in favor of us being courte- courteous to one another yeah. as we continue to yeah. gather more evidence. Let's Be responsible, and, and and it's the same thing as the the condom thing I brought up earlier. It's it, it'd be the guy. It'd be like the guy saying, "Well, I'm not worried about getting an STD," and it's like, "Well, what about the other person you're with? Maybe they're worried about it. Maybe they're worried about getting pregnant. M- yeah. Maybe." You should think about someone else other than yourself. And let's say the mask doesn't doesn't prevent you from getting the coronavirus at all. Mm-hmm. But we know for certain that it prevents you from spreading whatever viruses you have. Yes. Whether it's the rhinovirus or just common cold mm-hmm. or whatever, we know that it prevents that. And right now, during a pandemic, does it make sense to to slow down the spread so that we don't overwhelm
0: the hospitals? Yeah, yeah probably. Dude, you look at uh was it South Korea and how quickly they curbed the spread because it, they had like a 98% compliance mm-hmm. on the mask. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this goes back to the, the, the virtue of agreeable, right? Mm-hmm. So there are things that we should be agreeable with because it's, it's for our benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's uh, it, it. I don't know, man, the, the mask thing drives me crazy. Cause it's, I don't like wearing a mask. Right. You know, I don't, you know, it's like, uh, you having to go to the gym and wear a mask sounds miserable. So like I have put my account on freeze cause yeah, I'm not going to go work out with a mask, but I'm not going to go into the gym entitled and be like, it's my right. I pay you every month to, you know, yeah. I should be able to do whatever I want. Right, right. And and so
1: that where we get confused with agreeability is we, we then say, well, being disagree- disagreeable also means you have to be argumentative. Yeah. And that's not true. It is possible to tactfully disagree with other people. You and mm-hmm. I tactfully disagree with each other all the time yeah. without insulting each other, without blaming each it other. It makes a stronger relationship. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be agreeable when we agree with things. Mm-hmm. When we disagree with something, though, it is actually not courteous. It is not compassionate to agree with someone, to placate them with your agreement. Absolutely. The next one, this is the one Ryan says we disagree on, although I disagree that we disagree. (laughs) The next one is empathy.
0: Yeah, I mean, we... uh, Because empathy... And by the way, I say this
1: is the most controversial of the overrated virtues.
0: I think the way it's worded in the book is you... You, uh, with Bloom's book, you, you like really sink your heels in with empathy is needless. Mm. And that's where I disagree. Yeah.
1: I don't, I don't say, it. in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll read you something. Um, so, so, empathy.
0: but, but, but I mean, just from where I'm saying, like, that's where, that's where we, we would disagree. Yeah, but but, I, I, but I, I that's not that. what you're saying. So no, that's not what I'm saying. So there at all. isn't a disagreement.
1: And so what I, I'll, I'll just read this part. So okay. perhaps the most controversial of the overrated virtues, uh, I think empathy is extremely overrated. These days, we hear everyone from preachers to pundits proclaim the power of empathy. But I believe most of these people are talking about compassion, mm-hmm. not empathy. If that's the case, then I have no argument compassion that is the concern for the misfortunes of others is a noble pursuit and by the way i don't think it's possible to have too much compassion mm. empathy however that is the ability to feel the suffering of others should not be the desired outcome Yale researcher and philosopher paul bloom makes this point in his book against empathy the case for rational compassion quote we often think of our capacity to experience the suffering of others as the ultimate source of goodness nothing could mm-hmm. be further from the truth Paul Bl- uh, bloom goes See, on
0: that that's the, yeah like that statement I disagree with nothing could be further from the truth
1: well so so let, let's just go back because there's
0: a lot of things I could say that are further from the truth well I mean I know it's hyperbolic but no it's not <laughs> it's, hyperbolic. It's, hi- it's hyperbole, it, it's hyperbole for I don't sure. think so
1: I don't think it's hyperbole I, I I do think it's not meant to be taken literally mm-hmm. because the truth isn't a, a a measurement from which we can get inches or meters or miles or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what he's saying here, it, again, you have to you have to go into the text.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He he says that the empathy is not the ultimate source of goodness. Absolutely. And so that's all he's saying. What he's saying when you say nothing can be further from the truth. That's a way of saying that is untrue. And and so if we're saying that feeling someone else's suffering is not the ultimate sense of goodness. Yeah. Then then we're agreeing. Yeah. Uh, And so Bloom goes on to reveal empathy to be quote, one of the leading motivators of inequality and immorality in society. Far from helping us to improve the lives of others. Empathy is a capricious and irrational emotion that appeals to our narrow prejudices it mu- and in fact hmm. you can you can even argue that like, you take the extreme examples of white supremacy or Nazism, mm-hmm. they experienced empathy based on their narrow
0: prejudices, hmm. and and, and hmm. empathy actually um, yeah expound on that uh, what what are they what are they being. A- empathetic towards with okay. their prejudices so so i, I was talking so, about this
1: earlier with uh, when weaver was when he first said you know a lot of these angry customers are 40 year old white men mm-hmm. and, and my first thing was like well as a 40 year old white man and i'm like what do I? I don't share anything in common with these other forty-year-old. They, they just happen <laughs> to be the same age as me, right. and and they have the same amount of melanin in my skin as me. Mm-hmm. Like they're forty-year-old white men who I, I who I'm very closely aligned with, mm-hmm. uh, politically, uh, spiritually, emotionally, whatever. Mm-hmm. There are other forty-year-old. Just because we share some characteristics doesn't mean anything. But what happens hmm. is because we tend to share, uh, we we often share characteristics with a group of... Well, we all share characteristics with a group of people that we start to empathize with their struggles more than oh, someone who so, looks different So you're from saying
0: us. empathy in, in this white supremacist example, they are empathizing with other white men, essentially. Yes. I see. Yes, or white people or whatever. It's interesting, though, because if they could show empathy with non-white people, mm-hmm. like it actually might help them be... A little less racist if they worked towards that, right?
1: Uh, or you could just eliminate the empathy, uh, at least mostly here, mm-hmm. and and work toward compassion for everyone. W-
0: wouldn't you say, in some circumstances, though, or maybe you wouldn't actually, I'm certain you wouldn't say this, what? but I would say that to get to compassion, you have to understand where the other person is coming from. And
1: I agree with that, except for the word have to, or words have
0: to. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, in a lot of cases with compassion, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. So it's not necessarily 100%. Needed every single time with compassion, but a lot of the times
1: I'm saying that it could. I said empathy can lead
0: to compassion, yes. I'm saying it's a circuitous route and yeah. it, you don't have to go through it, yeah. I mean, even with a white supremacist, it's like if they could look at you know non white people uh-huh. and be like, oh, I actually understand the struggle. That's something
1: different. You're talking about understanding now. I, I,
0: I, 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 can, I can understand the struggle of family. friends and trying to survive in a you know in in, in certain certain circumstances I've been in those circumstances I have experienced those struggles oh they're like me and then they can work towards compassion so uh, yeah I guess just put it it, sometimes it is a secured circuitous route but I don't I don't think that it necessarily is every single time I, I think I think you're misunderstanding empathy
1: here empathy it, it, the definition of empathy, and this is, this is exactly what Webster, I point at. Pull out. up the definition. It, it's right here. It's here in the book. It's not the physical. The ability to feel the suffering of others. That's not that. That must. Be... It doesn't mean physical suffering. It's suffering. It's like, suffering. A, it's like the a, ability to feel the suffering of others.
0: That is a, it could it's be a mental language. It's, it's paraphrased. It's the, the suffering of others. And that, that's not the exact definition. That is a. That's a... Yes, it is, right. It's the definition. And, and... <laughs> okay, I I I'm just when I when I was reading this chapter, uh-huh. I literally looked up the definition. And I was like, "Oh, like this? It's I, okay. Maybe, maybe you didn't do Merriam-Websters, or maybe we looked at two different dictionaries. Sure, that's fine. Yeah. So I guess it goes. Yeah, I guess it goes. Down, it comes down to like, what definition are you using? Okay. You.
1: So if I'm defining it as the ability to to, to feel the suffering of others, how do you define empathy?
0: I define it as the ability to uh, experience someone else's um, emotions. Cause it's, cause it's not a, cause it's not a, the suffering is a, it's a physicality mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily have to have to experience empathy. L- look up the de- Marion's de- definition. I d- I'm just, I'm just curious. I don't know if
1: I have Marion's here, but.
0: Or what, whatever you have.
1: Here we go. This is the Oxford American writer's thesaurus. Oh,
0: I don't agree with that dictionary. Wait,
1: actually, <laughs> it's the new Oxford American dictionary. There we go.
0: <laughs> Let's see what it says.
1: Empathy. <laughs> The ability to understand and share the feelings of another.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not the suffering. So the, to share the feelings is different. Suffering is part of the feeling. Absolutely. But it's not just the suffering. No, no, no. What I'm, what I'm trying to say to you is feeling their same feelings. It's like using the example of the dentist. It's like you don't want the dentist to experience the root canal with you. I, yeah, I don't want him to experience it's an ex- any of the feelings. Right, it's an extreme. That is an extreme. But you do want the dentist to understand, like, oh, I know that this person's going to be in pain. I've had tooth pain before, and I'm going to do what I can to show compassion and like and mitigate as much pain as I can for this patient. I do want him to have compassion. I agree with so, that. So, so again, with with the example of the dentist, of course, you don't want the dentist to experience any of the physical pain. Uh huh. But you do want, or the, the emotional pain. But you do want the dentist to be able to. Understand what's at stake when it comes to any any of the pain. So again, I, I think there's a huge and that and that maybe this is just you know me, but there's a huge difference between experiencing the emotions of someone and experiencing the um uh the what, what was the word suffering the suffering yeah because yeah. suffering is part suffering is on the spectrum of emotions right it's not emotions isn't just suffering no I I agree with that um but if you are going to
1: feel what they feel, the argument is that it gets in the way. In fact, I would even say it's more... Sometimes it can. I'm, what I'm yeah. saying, it's even more pernicious if you're feeling all of the emotions, not just the suffering. This is, it, again, back to what Bloom says here, uh, which I agree with. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, it appeals to our narrow prejudices. It muddles our judgment and ironically often leads to cruelty. Mm-hmm. And I
0: and, think we are agreeing. Like when Whenever you use empathy... As an excuse to be an asshole, essentially, I mean that with the white supremacist thing. But when, but if you're if you're using it, uh, if you're using it in a way that is negatively affecting someone's well being, whether it's physical or emotional, mm-hmm. then yeah, like empathy is certainly overrated, and I certainly agree well, that not, empathy is not the path to being the best human being on the planet.
1: You want to have concern for the misfortunes of others yeah but also too like there are t- yes yeah
0: we and we're, we are saying the same thing there are right. times for empathy right so yeah. so so the
1: concerns for the misfortunes of others so if someone's in a, a a a situation you want to have a concern you want to be able to understand the concerns you know, of their misfortune which would that
0: would be compassion to me that is compassion yeah
1: yes yeah, yeah. And, and so what we're agreeing on here is that compassion is a strong virtue and we should compassion is stronger than empathy we should we should 100%. we should want more compassion regardless of what we think about empathy mm-hmm. it's important to have more compassion yes. sometimes we can we can agree on this just to what level is is different sometimes empathy can get in the way of us yes. having compassion i totally agree okay yeah Next, and uh, actually, there are a few other here. Uh, negativity is the next one. I'm going to skip that for a moment. Jealousy. So I think jealousy is the most wasteful emotion. I don't think there yeah. is ever. I don't think it's ever useful other than maybe it's a sign that I need to stop doing a behavior. Yeah. But, but the emotion itself, like using that emotion, there's, there's, it there's doesn't no, do anything yeah,
0: for yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same thing with anger. It's like when you experience these emotions, it's good to be like, oh, I'm experiencing this emotion. What's going on with me? But, yeah, to use that emotion as leverage to yeah. project something is uh, – it's never valuable.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I, the reason I say it's the most wasted, even emotions like anger, you, mm-hmm. there are narrow instances where it makes sense to be angry at someone, where it's like yeah. they're attacking you and, hey, get away from it. like, you, you to channel that anger in very narrow sense. Sure. With jealousy, it doesn't make – It It never make sense. makes sense. Yeah. Right, exactly. Right, right. Uh, sentimentality. Um, so – Uh, i'll just read this real quick the the dichotomy of emotion and reason is a major component within any relationship but these two poles must be balanced for a relationship to prosper Uh, so sentimentality is when like when we're overly emotional overly sentimental right it's the opposite of hyper rationality Mm. and so i would say hyper rationality we don't want that we're not uh, autonomous autonomous uh, wow. Say that five times fast. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, we, we, we don't want to be robots. We don't want to be an emotional puddle either. Mm-hmm. And so sentimentality is the emotional puddle thing. And I think we, we often, because the, of the, the movies that we see, the, the Hallmark cards, it, it, everything is so sentimental, right? right? I think sentimentality taken to an extreme is really pernicious. Yep. Uh, solemnity. Um, so that's like being taken seriously. Yeah. Um, uh, um, but we also want to leave room for humor and levity, right? And mm-hmm. so if there's too much seriousness, then we, we remove all the oxygen for humor. Yeah. Finally, uh, neg- negativity. Uh, this one might be confusing at first. Exactly how is negativ- negativity an overrated virtue? Does anyone actually think negativity is a good thing? No, if we were to measure popular opinion, almost everyone is going to recognize negativity as being bad. Mm -hmm. I think that's true. If you go out and did a uh, a Quinnipiac poll, is negativity a good thing? Everyone's going to say, no.
0: Well, no, of course not. But we sure do focus on our negative negativity a lot. <laughs> right.
1: Exactly. So that's the next point here. Yeah. Why then do we constantly bicker, complain, and gossip? Because it's a perceived shortcut. Mm. If you complain about the same thing as someone else or gossip about another person, it increases your bond with your fellow complainer. Mm. In fact, there's an evolutionary reason for that, right? So, oh, so gossip. We evolved to gossip. Because when we were in these tribes of 150 people or fewer, mm-hmm. it was it, it it allowed us to keep out the 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 bad person. We would tell a story about uh, Johnny Jump Up, who was on the edge of the tribe, and right. and everyone started talking about him, and all of a sudden he fell off a cliff mm. because that gossip sort of kept them in, in check that way. But now we it, it has become useless effectively yeah. useless gossip pass yeah. right mm-hmm. as we talked about last week uh, Dave Ramsey has the zero strikes policy I on gossip that. yeah me yeah. too If, if I would start that with us.
0: the minimalists but I talk about you way too much behind your back <laughs> <laughs> well
1: here, here's what we say here uh, if you complain about the same thing as someone else or gossip about another person increase your bond with a fellow complainer but that's sort of like putting a ladle of strychnine in a pot of stew sure the volume increases but the entire thing is tainted there is an old saying that hurt people hurt people. And that's, and that's what's happening whenever we talk about inflicting the world with negative, infecting the world with negativity. Yep. It's especially detestable when we do so in the name of just keeping it real or just being honest. Mm. You hear that all the time. I'm just being honest. Just being honest. Yeah. yeah or you're just being a dick. I'm just saying. Truth be told, you can keep it real without keeping it negative. Ditto for being honest. It is possible and preferable to approach people with a positive demeanor even in the most trying times. Whether it comes from inside you or from others, mm. negativity is contagious. Fortunately, so is positivity. The latter might be more diff- um, the latter might be a more difficult path,
0: but it's the one with all the rewards i was having this battle this morning on the way to the office a rap battle a rap battle yes after the my after morning Mariah. after my morning rap battle destroyed her <laughs> <laughs> ryan got these bars oh dude uh i was having this like fake conversation in my head with someone who we had a disagreement and i won't even go into the details of it but we had a disagreement like two or three weeks ago uh-huh. and in my head i'm like arguing with them about why they're wrong uh-huh. and I'm like Ryan what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just I'm just like we all do that though we all yeah, have these. Co- dude. I was we like, have steeping, all these arguments yeah I was steeping in this negativity and I'm like if this ever comes up again this is what I'm gonna say yeah and I'm like dude like why like why would you perpetuate that so instead when I get that negative feeling with like for example with this, this is some some phony conversation or fake conversation uh I'll Try to like be like okay if this happens again how can I show compassion mm. like how can I how can I make this a positive thing and yeah it's uh, but we all do it yeah like the, the best arguments I have in the shower you should hear you should hear these arguments it's like we I need <laughs> so a, good I, same thing happens to me I need like a scroll in the bottom of my
1: mind that says reenactment not real people yeah you know, like yeah these little uh, disclaimers
0: yeah it's like there's some somebody says something imaginary uh-huh. and then I attack that thought in my head right <laughs> right golly um man i we we were just filming yesterday
1: ryan mm-hmm. we uh still working on this netflix documentary we turned in our second cut working on the the third cut it's called less is now and yesterday we were out filming driving around how'd the thing go at your house
0: i'm great man go you ahead. know my it's funny because my apartment is i know that you often say this where you know when someone comes in they wouldn't think oh man this guy's a minimalist but I actually would think that in your apartment because, but you have minimalist design Uh and it's, uh, it's beautiful. It's very, very beautiful where in my apartment, it's like, it it just it's clutter free, but you, you know, it wouldn't strike anyone as, Oh man, this guy must be a minimalist because, you know, because I don't do minimalist design. Yeah. Um, But what I'm getting at is, is it's a, it's a good thing because Uh, it just shows how minimalism isn't a radical lifestyle. It's a, you know, it's a practical lifestyle.
1: And also that you, that there are different versions for different people, right? Exactly. And and you, you can tweak it to suit your preferences. Yeah. And if you like what I do with,
0: I wish I had the discipline
1: in the, well, how so? What do you mean?
0: To have your style, man. I just, you have an eye for like putting a room together Mm-hmm. Where I just like have an eye for, uh, I don't know, like, you know, getting the papers off the table and I'm like, okay, it's clean. We're <laughs> like, but, not, but, but yeah, I don't know. I just, you have a really good eye for design and for, um for fashion also. Uh, I'm just obsessive. I think, yeah. I think
1: that's more, m- more or less the, the best explanation. Mm. Anyway, I found this tweet from Matthew Vela. I sent it to you and him. We, we were with him yesterday. We were just out filming some stuff and some conversations between me and you. But I found this tweet from him from December... Of 2013, <laughs> and it was like working on my first feature length film back when he was nobody. <laughs> now he's too big for his britches. I, I'm working on my first feature length film. Details coming, trailer coming soon. Yeah, and uh, That's so good. W- the funny thing is, it was almost three years to the day that the film ended up on Netflix mm. after that. And so he went on the road with us in 2014, filmed a lot of our tour. We did a bunch of interviews that year with other people, finished up some stuff, and 2015 and and so we really started at the end of 2013 and it took three years before that thing ended up on on netflix, netflix yeah and then you are know, sort of doing it all over again in a way because we have this one we thought all right we got the process down we'll have this done in four months and four <laughs> years later and the only reason i know it's four years later is because there in the last cut we turned in there's something from that he filmed four years ago, and it said, uh, "I'm talking to you." you I think Ryan I said, um, "Yeah, we've been doing this for the last six years. Yeah, As, it's, it six years since we started the Minimalist." And I'm like, "It's been ten it years. It's been ten years. Yeah, yeah. It's been and so so yeah, we've we've been working on this film for." literally four years mm. and it should be out around hopefully this christmas latest uh, will be new year's 2021 we're shooting for this christmas but mm-hmm. it's uh, called the minimalists less is now and uh man i can't wait to share it with you uh, yeah. i'm going to pivot real quick around we did this ask the minimalists anything session for our true fans and our vips on patreon mm-hmm. and one question that came up had to do with working from home and how do you think working work is the nature of work is going to change? And there's a lot of people,
0: a lot of companies even who are pushing to work more and more from home. Dude, there's going to be cuz usually retail space and business offices are more expensive than residential. Mm. And I could see that shifting after yeah. after this pandemic is, yeah.
1: Yeah, because there's a lot of a lot of open retail space now. Yeah. Anyway, the article I have here is from the Dayton Business Journal, which I actually, I think they have it from the New York Times. The only real source of news. The Dayton Business <laughs> Journal, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a New York Times article that they reprinted. Yeah. Uh, and it is called, The Long Unhappy History of Working from Home. Mm. So I wanted to provide another side because I'm all for People working at home, yeah. Uh, if Sean and Jordan and Jess want to work from home, great. You do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, for me personally, I dislike working from home. Yeah,
0: it's perspectival for sure, man. Yes, like you've got a yeah. You and got to decide for yourself what's best,
1: right? And there is some data though, and this article talks a little bit about it. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Three months after the coronavirus pandemic shut down, offices corporate America has concluded that working from home is working out. Many employees will be tethered to Zoom and Slack for the rest of their careers. Their commute accomplished in seconds. Richard Lermer has some advice for all the companies rushing to Pell-Mell into this remote future. Mm. Don't be an idiot. (laughs) A few years ago, Lermer let the employees of RLM Public Relations Work from Home Fridays. This small step toward telecommuting proved a disaster, he said. He often couldn't find people when he needed them. Projects languished. Every weekend became a three day holiday, he said. Mm. I found that people work so much better when they're all in the same physical space. IBM came to a similar decision. In 2009, 40% of its 386,000 employees in 173 countries worked remotely, 40%. But just eight years later, in 2017, with revenue slumping, management called thousands of them back to the office. So uh, of those 40%, they started asking them to start coming back. Mm. Even as Facebook, Shopify, Zillow, Twitter, and many other companies are developing plans to let employees work remotely forever, the experiences of Larmer and IBM are a reminder that the history of telecommuting has been strewn with failure. The companies now barreling forward run the risk of the same fate. Working from home is a strategic move, not just a tactical one that saves money, said Kate Lister, president of global workplace analytics, a lot of it comes down to trust. Do you trust your people? Companies, large and small, have been trying for decades to make working from home work. As long ago as 1985, the mainstream media was using phrases like, the growing telecommuting movement, the growing telecommuting movement. Peter Drucker, the management guru, declared in 1989 that commuting to the office to work is obsolete. Hmm. uh here's the thing i think it really depends on the nature of your business yes how big your business is the size of your business yes Mm -hmm. uh so the number of employees right and um so the nature of your business meaning what you work on so you and i used to work in retail can't do that from home can't do retail from home unless you change the nature of your business right which is fine. You can go to a web-only business, but mm-hmm. then those employees are probably not all going to be working for you anymore. Right? Uh, retail accomplishes something face-to-face that online can't accomplish theoretically. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing now because the, my favorite bookstore, uh, which is relatively close to where I live, Book Soup. Uh, at least favorite bookstore locally. My uh, actually my favorite one in L.A. is still the last, the last bookstore. bookstore. Yeah, yeah downtown. But I. I'm just not walking distance book from where soup, I live.
0: is that on sunset yeah yeah it's a good one
1: yeah it's really good but they're 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 doing curbside pickup so so my question like right now during the pandemic like the reason I want to go to book soup is twofold one is I like the experience of paging through the books mm-hmm. and and two is I really like the sort of staff recommendations they curate in a way that Amazon is not able to curate mm-hmm. reminds me of our friend Derek Sivers. Who, when he ran CD Baby, mm-hmm. remember CD Baby? Yeah. That was his his big um, company. Jordan, do you remember CD Baby? Never. No. Yeah, Dude, he's, he's too like young. 20 years old, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, CD Baby was the first website that allowed artists to sell their own music. And eventually, they were the aggregator to get music onto iTunes and other mm-hmm. digital platforms as well. But initially, it was. Here's how where you could sell your physical CDs. Right. You bypass the middleman, the record company, mm-hmm. and but what people really liked about CD Baby at its peak was its algorithm. Its algorithm was so good at picking music, like oh you like the Strokes, you'll also like the Killers or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and so he started having companies offer to buy the algorithm software from him yeah. his secret algorithm software and, and they're like we just don't know how you how you do it like it's your algorithm software is so good we can't find any other company that does it yeah he's like what software and they're like you know like how you pick the the if, if i like the strokes then I, it's gonna recommend the killers like it's the perfect he's like Oh, yeah, those are just the other. If you, I figure if you like this, you'll also like that. He goes, I just listen to every album that we sell. Yeah. And then I recommend something based on the taste, th- my own taste. And they're like, how is that scalable? He's like, well, it's not scalable. I'm not trying to scale it. Yeah. He goes, I guess what I'll do is I'll end up hiring more employees who will listen to the albums. Mm. And they're like, but you're going to need an algorithm. He's like, well, I don't think that works. Yeah. And, and my point is with a place like Book Soup, is I don't want curbside pickup.
0: I, I would honestly rather have Amazon ship a book to me yep. at that point. 100%. Unless you're going out of your way to support the local business, which I know that you probably do. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, as far as functionality, you're right. Like, it's it'd be easier to have Amazon ship Right. It, you know? I do go
1: out of my way to support my local business, and yeah. temporarily will do that with them. But what if their model became – If that's what it
0: is, yeah. Then why would I do it? It yeah. wouldn't make
1: any sense to do that. Yeah. It, it's higher prices. And it's less convenient. Yeah. And and I, I, I wouldn't have a reason. So the reason that you go to support a local business is because they do something that the big businesses can't do. Mm-hmm. Now, short term, there's a problem, and so you want to continue to support them if possible. But long term, if their business model switched to curbside book pickup, yeah, that's not a
0: viable business. Yeah, no, it's not. It's, it, yeah. It, the, only, the, the only other reason that I would think you would do curbside pickup is because it's down the street from you, so you could get it, uh, you could get it same day. Although you can do that with Amazon, but oh, there's right. like, but there's like less of a carbon footprint. I mean, but but that's what that's the detail it gets to, where you right. would have to choose the curbside pickup over something easy like Amazon. And, and
1: you have to, act, you have to ask yourself, is there really less of a carbon footprint? Right. Like, because there's already someone delivering something to yeah. my apartment building. Yeah, and so like you start weighing it out, and all of a sudden it becomes. It, it, the the decision is no longer obvious like for me i'd rather go to book soup in a normal world and so we're in an an abnormal world right now Mm -hmm. and a lot of this has to do with preference i do agree i mean it makes we could do this podcast from our homes and never even see each other in person yeah
0: like if we ever did a home studio we'd have to do it at my home (laughs) because you don't want to work from home
1: right 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 right. (laughs) right um or I'd have to have like, what do they call the back house or something where you have to go somewhere outside of your house yeah. sort of thing yeah. in order to make that work. I like going somewhere else. I like coming here into this uh, shared WeWork space. Uh, well, this this room is not shared. This is our own private room. But then we have a uh, co-working space. I find the ambient people to be productive in a way. Um, and I, I prefer having a destination that feels like a work environment to mm. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed. And even when I work from home, like there's a specific place in which I work. Uh, and that's all I do at that, at that desk. It's a desk that I have in my living room uh, that's off to the side. And it's like this little office space. That's all I do there is I uh, will work there. It's, it, it's, that, it's the work environment even in the home when I do have to, to work at home. Mm. And so um, I do want to get Jason Freed back on the podcast. We had him on here. He wrote a book uh, called It Doesn't Have to be Crazy at Work. But before that, he wrote a book on remote working, and his whole company he has fifty nine employees at Basecamp, mm-hmm. and most of them, not most of the the plurality of them, are in Chicago. I think seventeen of those employees, roughly, mm. are in Chicago. But they just got rid of their office space mm. before the pandemic. Like it was like a month before the pandemic, oh, yeah, they right. just didn't renew yeah. their 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 lease, and they decided we're not going to do any office space at all now hmm. because they work a hundred percent remotely. Now they've set up a system to make that work. The problem that happens and I think this is where the article gets confused here is uh, what we try to do is we try to take the corporate work environment let's like say with the telecommunications company we worked for mm-hmm. and you try to just say well I'm going to take that experience and then just move it into the home. Yeah. That doesn't work. No. And so you have to have a new structure in order to have work from home. Yeah. We are um, I don't know, Sean, what do you think? We we, we do both here, I guess. I mean I, I welcome you guys to come in whenever you want to, to work from here. If you want to work from home, I, I don't care. The thing that I care about is that we all do what we need to get done what we need to get done. Mm-hmm. And if we're doing that, I don't care if Sean's naked while he's editing our podcast. It doesn't <laughs> matter to me. He's naked right now while, he's, while we're recording this. It <laughs> doesn't matter to me. As long as the work gets done. <laughs> <laughs> uh one other addendum before we get into these questions ryan uh we talked about chris Dalia last week oh yeah and some more stuff has come out and it still seems to me like he more stuff has come out since well i haven't been keeping up with it
0: yeah i I mean i I saw the la times interview um yeah wow disturbing stuff
1: yeah yeah so it was disturbing we talked you can go back to last week's maximal episode and and check that out we we talked with jamie kilstein about Crystalia, and we even said last week, like, "Hey, I hope he gets the help that he needs." Uh, I don't know whether he did anything illegal. Yeah, uh, it sounds to me like he was strangely aware of the laws in different states, and mm. and he was also, you know, he was um, uh, the, the the was the behavior predatory, mm. but not illegal. Maybe I I, I don't know.
0: Um, <laughs> Again, if you need a law that justifies your predatory behavior or to unjustify your predatory yeah. behavior you're a jerk sure <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I have seen other people and
1: I, I i guess my thought i won't won't say it has evolved on this but it yeah maybe maybe it's it's become more nuanced if he has a thing for a bunch of 18 year old girls like it's not my thing mm-hmm. uh but there's nothing illegal about that. No. And I don't even know that there's something inherently wrong with it. I mean, I think Seinfeld's wife was
0: 17 or 18 when he met her, and he was yeah. 38 or, or 40 or whatever. It all depends on the context, really. Like, <clears throat> if if I was single and going after 21-year-old women, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'll be 39 this year. I mean, that's an 18-year difference of age. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, if I was just going after 21-year-olds to use them – uh, to objectify them mm. then that's an issue if they were if their understanding is something different now you know there's total consent like if someone wants to be objectified yeah and and that's the understanding like okay that's you know like that's that's okay as long as there's consent but if you're using your power to yeah to, to be a predator to mislead people to to just objectify people like I i do have an issue with that
1: yeah, yeah, I mean well it's 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 weird though because the the power thing is something else that comes up. We we hear this a lot and I think I have a nuanced take on this as well. I think there are always there will always be a power dynamic. Of By course, the way, yeah. a lot of women and also a lot of men, a lot of women are attracted to someone who is in a position of power yeah. or is more powerful, right? Yeah. And and it's not to say that well, I guess that person should never engage in a relationship then with someone else. No. Because it, it, of course not, right? It, it You, you, the word that you brought up is consent. That's, that's the most important thing here. Mm -hmm. Now, Chris, it sounds like, in many cases, had consent. The question is, was he engaged in predatory behavior with underage women? Uh, Now, if you are 18 uh, and you can go die for our country, Mm -hmm. it's uh, probably okay for you to get into a relationship with a 39 year old man as well, or whatever, 40 year old, however old he is, right? Yeah. Um, but, There are a few things that came out because I think the predatory behavior can go the other way as well. I want to be clear. I don't think this is victim blaming, but sometimes we need more to the story and so since we already talked about it last week if we wouldn't have i wouldn't feel compelled to talk about this as well but since we talked about it last week and we gave a nuanced take i want to be even more nuanced because more information has come out and i feel it's Let's our talk. duty to be able to talk Let's about, talk about this. it. i don't know
0: I, I haven't seen the new information
1: so this is from page six and it, and it says chris delia's team releases comedians email exchanges with accusers and sean you can put a link to this in the show notes page six of what uh, it's the uh, the newspaper, Page Six. Oh, it's called Page Six? Yeah, you're familiar with Page Six, right? It's Probably. like uh, Yeah, it's a yeah. New York uh, newspaper. Okay. It's like an alt-weekly sort of thing. I'm not nearly as hip as you. <laughs> um, <laughs> 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 All right, it says, with Chris D'Elia's career crashing down around him, mm-hmm. the comedian's camp is surprisingly taking aim at the women who have accused him of sexual improprieties. Mm. Last Tuesday, a slew of women began making claims online that Dalia had asked them for nude pictures, in some cases when they were underage, and one claimed that he had exposed his erect penis to her in a hotel room. Mm. He's since been fired by his CAA agent, and Mm. his manager and a number of his shows have been pulled from streaming sites. Mm. Now a rep for Dalia, who played... Whitney Cummings' boyfriend on NBC's Whitney for several seasons have released emails to Page Six that they claim paint a fuller picture of the incidents. They provided an email between Dalia and Clara Schaller a woman who last week posted emails from 2012 on Twitter in which Dalia said he wanted to have quote naked sex what Couldn't you just say sex? That's that is, um, I mean, that's Dalia's comedic style. (laughs) The the only time I would get that specific is if I wouldn't have clothed sex, Mm -hmm. then I would say, Hey,
0: can we keep our clothes on for this? Right, exactly. Um, well, it's funny, like looking at some of those exchanges, he was just, yeah, his humor came out in a lot of those exchanges. But
1: my my wife had a a theory that he, the reason that he was, he, he, she doesn't think he was as attracted to teenagers so much as he was attracted to people he was al- allowed to mistreat,
0: mm. and, and
1: quite often, a, a young girl who is sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, whatever. Um, right. Uh, n- no, let me note the difference. Some of half of those are legal, half of those are not. Yes. Um, and and but they they may be more susceptible to they might tolerate his misbehavior mm. his misbehaving uh, more than a 35 year old woman would. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who has had experience with right? plenty of dickheads. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, d- d- naked sex with her, when she said, w- when she made those tweets public, she claimed that she was 17 at the time of the exchange. Delia's camp, Released an email to us that showed D'Elia had allegedly asked her approximately midway through their exchange, how old are you? She replied, 12, apparently kidding. He responded with, answer, to which she said, 24. Mm. So here's the thing. If, there's a 17, if he's flirting with a 17-year-old girl who says she's 24, mm-hmm. did he do anything wrong? I, well, if he's being a dick, he did something wrong. He certainly didn't do the other thing yeah. wrong of, of flirting with a 17-year-old yeah. girl, right?
0: Well, and there's but there's so many accusations that I'm sure... It that, gets to that.
1: Okay. Go for it. So it should be noted that he asked her for pics before asking her age, mm. which well, yeah, it, I mean, if you assume she's a certain age... Um, but you know
0: what? Like, <clears throat> let's say I see a female and I'm really attracted to them. Mm-hmm. It's because they look like they're 24. You know yes. what I'm saying? They so, look. At,
1: they look as though they're an adult. You're saying, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. For sure. Um,
1: although it, we are in a time. Did I share this? With, I didn't share this with you. I. Uh, I got this note. Uh, we're going to take a quick digression here because it's <laughs> funny. Um, I got this note in my. We have like an internal mailbox in our our apartment building. Okay. And so like, this girl from the third floor left me a note. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, here it is i took a picture of it <laughs> and it just said hey stranger <laughs> uh hey stranger i don't know what's your name but i don't know what your name is but since i run into you all the time i think we've ran into each other like three times ever yeah. um i feel like i should say hi i'm the tiny asian girl on the third floor
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: let me know if you want to get together sometime because i think i have a tiny crush on you oh uh hit me up if you'd like but no pressure haha ha, and she left her phone number um she said, p.s i might get sad if you don't if you don't
0: uh text me back <laughs> do you have to be like i gotta talk to my wife first
1: well no i did <laughs> i did text her uh, uh and the very first thing i said is how old are you <laughs> and it, the reason i said that is because like i don't know if she's 14 or 45 like i'm sure I, first of all i don't even remember i am like there are several asian women who live in this building so i'm not entirely sure
2: mm-hmm. like
1: i think i know who it was but i was wasn't sure yeah and anyway i, I said how old are you and she said 25 and mm-hmm. i said and she said what did you think i was 16 and i just responded like well you never know how old someone is right and I said, by the way, thanks for the note. It was very flattering. Mm-hmm. My wife thought it was super cute. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, she was bummed out then. But yeah. uh, uh, suffice it to say. But you know what, though? If Bex was cool with that, though, like, there's nothing wrong with that. No, of course not. Like, right. and, and, but So here's the thing about Bex in, in my relationship is um, we're extremely open with each other. Mm-hmm. right? And we don't pretend that we're not attracted to other people. So when we're attracted to someone else, we'll say, hey, I'm very attracted to that person. Mm-hmm. And she'll say the same thing. She was flirting with a pilot who was flying the plane that she was on recently. Mm-hmm. And, like, they were at Starbucks together. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm totally fine with that because I'm I'm completely secure in our relationship. And yeah. I'm also secure in myself so much so that if she wanted to be with someone else, I'd rather, ha- I'd rather put that out there and say, hey, I welcome that. Oh, yeah. As opposed to saying, well, you're not allowed to. Like, I, feel, I can dictate.
0: Yeah, I feel the same exact way. It's like, <laughs> I often... Well, uh, I mean, I don't say this on a regular basis, but I mean, there are times where I'm like Mariah, if you would be happier with someone else, like I would rather you be with someone else, right? Like I, re- that's how much I care about you,
1: or or, or someone else in addition to you, even. Like, yeah, if she was sure. like, hey, I want, I want to, and and Bex and I are in a, uh, even more strange situation where this would even make more sense is you and Mariah are together every day Mm -hmm. right I mean you see each other virtually every day Mm -hmm. and and with Bex and I since she travels back and forth from Montana quite a bit so does Ella you know Bex and Ella Mm -hmm. they go back and forth and with the pandemic that's even been stranger and now there's driving and camping and all these other things involved in that Mm -hmm. but uh if she's spending Approximately half her time in Montana, maybe a little less, or more, or whatever. But mm-hmm. like approximately half her time, if she wanted to date someone else there, it would make sense to me. Mm. We you know, we'd have to have the conversation. Having and a say,
0: part-time boyfriend. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and say, you know, what, what does that
0: what does that look like, and, and why? What are the motivations behind this? Like, I, I can only imagine how crazy this sounds to some people listening. Yeah, well, that, that's why this is a Patreon episode, yeah. right? Well, you know what's, you know what's nuts though, man, is like I never thought I would get to that point. Because I have just historically been such a jealous person, Mm -hmm. but what I've realized is like jealous people are just insecure people. Yes. And I am so just comfortable with who I am. You're so comfortable with who you are. Right. It's like, there's no, it's like, I look in the mirror and I'm like, Ryan, you're awesome. Yeah. I'm not threatened by anyone else. Uh Uh-huh. And if someone doesn't like me, it's like, okay, like I understand you feel like I'm not awesome and that's okay. But like the confidence factor is, uh, yeah, like it really helps you open up to ideas like this. Right. Now we can take the confidence
1: too far and it can be arrogant. So I, of course there, there was a There's time one. where I was like, yeah, try to date someone else. See if they're as awesome as me. <laughs> right. And then, yeah. And I've that just had, sounds I, like a jerk. Well, I've had partners try it and they're like, yeah, actually they are more awesome than you. Sorry. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> Sorry. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Colleen. Um, yeah, and, and so I actually, by the way, when I'm I up until Bex, I was always like, f- ever since my marriage, pretty much, mm-hmm. I was the guy you dated before you, the guy you married. Oh yeah, yeah. in almost every scenario. <laughs> yeah, and, true story. And, and by the way, Austin and and everyone else, like you, you you end up with a guy who looks very suspiciously like (laughs) not me not me at all but like looks like the guy that everyone else i dated ended up marrying like (laughs) all the like they all are attracted and so i'm like some weird stepping stone Mm. into that and and my my point though is you can take the confidence too far where it becomes arrogance yes it's not and and so now where i've dialed it back because i'm not arrogant about it at all Mm. i know that you know, Bex is an amazing partner and that she could attract a, a phenomenal partner as well whether it's a, a part-time boyfriend in Missoula or if she were to leave me for someone else like mm-hmm. uh, what I'm confident in is that I'm willing to put my best foot forward and, and, and I'm willing to contribute to this relationship to the best of my ability given mm-hmm. the constraints
0: that I have yeah. you know it's interesting too with that level of confidence I still have this need to be liked so when someone doesn't like me, I mean, I, I can move on with my day, but there is a, there's like a piece of me where I'm like, oh, a person yeah. doesn't like me. They don't yeah. think I'm awesome. <laughs> Man, I
1: think there's a weird thing. I, I was actually just thinking about this yesterday, Ryan, hmm. uh, the, the, what you're talking about here. So I think there's something in there's a, a superpower in not caring about whether or not someone likes us
0: i would agree and
1: and and how we get there i think let let, me and maybe work this out with me on the patreon episode sure uh maybe the way we get there is we identify the group of people now we might call them our primary relationships in minimalism live a meaningful life i do a better job of actually expanding on it and love people use things really getting to the core of what our primary relationships are but uh Primary relationships, maybe those are the the five to ten people in our life where we do care. We do work hard to get them to like us. Yeah. And then if we if we know that we're working hard to get them to like us, we have to realize not that we don't care about other people, whether or not other people like us. We have to realize that by getting these people to like us, necessarily that's going to make some people dislike us. Mm, Yeah. And if we can get to comfortable with that, not just get comfortable with them not liking us, but get comfortable with being disliked. Yeah. I think there's there's a superpower in that somewhere.
0: No, I agree with you. I I have I have trauma that I talked about on the toxic uh, people episode with not being understood. So, it's hard for me to get there because of certain trauma that I have in my life. But I agree that if I could get to that place, well, and I guess I am there a little bit already because with the idea of minimalism, it sounds so subversive and I guess it is in some ways mm-hmm. Um, that I know there's a lot of pushback. I know there's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of people who, you know, get a visceral reaction when they hear about minimalism mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that because uh, just because I understand that, like I'm being true to myself. Yeah. So I would rather be true to myself have my primary, uh, the, my primary relationships, the people in my primary relationships like who I am
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, by being true to myself rather than trying to appease every single person.
1: Right. Because if you we know. try to appease everyone, we end up appeasing no one. Yeah. If, mm. if, if we try to placate everyone, we steep ourselves in misery and people mm-hmm. will feel placated for a period of time. Mm-hmm. But do you want to be placated? Right. I don't know anyone who actually wants to be placated unless you, I mean, you have to be a total like psychopath yeah. to want to be placated. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I'm thinking about this is like, yes, we all want to be liked, but if we can get rid of that desire to be liked.
0: Oh, dude, I wish I could just flip a switch.
1: No, no I don't think it's flipping yeah. a switch. I think it's a retraining. It's a retraining mm. the musculature in yeah. a way. And I think the way we do it is that we we go out of our way to be liked by a identifiable group of people. Because there's seven billion people in the world, Maybe it's close to eight, but it's, uh, I think in two or three years we're gonna be close to, we'll be eight, eight billion. Uh, most of them don't know who you are, and then, so by definition they don't like you. Mm. Isn't that weird? Yeah. If someone doesn't know you, they don't like you. Right, it's true. That doesn't mean they dislike you. Yeah. But you're okay with that, you're okay with, with Tim Smith In Wichita, Kansas, he doesn't like you.
0: Yeah. You're okay with that. Yeah. He doesn't know you. So what you're saying is I'm almost already there. <laughs> yes. No one likes you, Ryan. <laughs> the fact, the vast majority of the people in the world do not like me. Exactly. There's and something comforting in that.
1: There, there is. You actually yeah. are already comfortable with that. Mm. And so what is a few extra people on that list? <laughs> That's a great point. I don't know. Talk about this uh, in the comments on Patreon. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. <laughs> do you like to be
0: liked? <laughs> let's, uh, let's. Do you care a- if people like you?
1: There was more evidence on the Chris D'Elia thing. We'll put a
0: link to that in the article. Which, by the way, we're not defending him. We're just adding additional nuance to it. Yes,
1: I I think it's additional perspective. Here's the thing. If he's being a predator and someone else is being a predator toward a predator, then they're both engaging in bad behavior. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. If you are lying to to someone and saying you are 25 or 24 or whatever when you're really uh 17 yeah, and, and, that's a problem. and there was another one instance in here where the woman said she was seven she admitted she was 17 then he said oh you're too young to me mm. and i four years later she reached out to him and said hey i'm 21 now i'm totally dtf mm. and that changes the dynamic of the conversation then yeah. because she has now come out and said that um she is I don't know, she was traumatized by the
0: Oh the dude.
1: The, the, the Yeah. But she, she omitted the fact that four years later she reached out to him and said, Hey, I'm of age now and I'd and like, I'd to, like to hook and, up yeah, yeah. sex with you. And so again, not victim blaming here. Uh I don't know whether or not she is a victim.
0: You know, yeah, it's it's uh when a victim becomes a victimizer, like that's that's a problem. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that often happens. Yeah.
1: Let's move into some of these surprise questions. We I don't think we'll have time for all of them. We're already over an hour here, but let's uh,
0: l- let's talk about this first one from AJ Ryan. How would Marie Kondo deal with negativity? I think she would, you know, shoot him in the face because they don't <laughs> spark joy. <laughs> we should put a link to that meme
1: (laughs) it's so good yeah i mean uh i think she'd just fold it up neatly and put it in a drawer yeah (laughs) No, i I, she would thank it yeah she would thank it and then get rid of it right actually in in a way that that is that is what uh is the appropriate thing to do if someone is 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 constantly being negative Mm -hmm. and and we are talking about walking away from that relationship Mm -hmm. we can still be thankful for the person and the experiences we share Yeah. Right. And being thankful for the person doesn't mean we have to be appreciative of their current actions and their current negativity. Mm -hmm. And if you're going out of your way to offer words of wisdom and encouragement, and they're throwing away that wisdom, they're stepping on your encouragement, Mm -hmm. you don't have to keep encouraging them. You don't have to be courageous yourself. In fact, I would say it's counterintuitive and counterproductive for you to keep handing them wisdom
0: for them to throw in the trash can. I totally agree. Uh, yeah, I, it is interesting. That, yeah, I think she would go out of her way to show the positivity, but yeah, I could I could see her very easily just choosing to love someone from a distance or to respect someone from a distance. We have a few more questions here. Let's. Uh, We're going
1: to lighten you around these. Yeah let's let's go to Debbie Ann's question. Here. All right,
0: Debbie Ann, I have the opposite problem from negativity. My friend goes to great lengths to be overly nice. It's really suffocating. For example, I'll mention something I might have a slight interest in, and she will take it upon herself to research and plan my experience without asking. To cut a long story short, she inserts herself into the lives of others almost to the point of being creepy. Mm. I find it quite manipulative and controlling. If anyone complains, she will insist that she only had the best of intentions. Oh, man, that's a, that's an interesting problem there
1: yeah and so so we talked about Derek Sivers earlier he has this idea about being meta considerate mm. and, and so sometimes um what this woman is doing is she's actually being meta inconsiderate
0: oh interesting
1: and so the the there's the appearance of being considerate and mm. going out of my way but right there's uh <clears throat> the, the, there's uh, the the overly sedulous a house owner if you're a house guest and mm-hmm. you come to someone's house and they're like uh, they're always like constantly to- topping off your drink and yeah and and they're going out of their way and it seems on the surface in fact at first you feel it feels like you're being pampered yeah. but at some point it crosses a threshold yeah uh, uh it, the, where it's not it's not pampering it is intrusive
0: yeah well, this is where Debbie needs to set some boundaries with her friend and mm-hmm. just say, hey, I really appreciate how much you appreciate this friendship. And it's obvious how much you really enjoy this friendship. Before you go out of your way to do something for me, please ask me if it's appropriate to do so. I know that you have the best of intentions, but you know, an example she could give is like, you know, if I say that I like gardening and then you buy me 20 gardening books, th- that's yeah the intention is 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 okay it's meta inconsiderate but it's meta inconsiderate
1: actually let me see if i can find that essay ryan uh while i do that why don't you read vanessa's question which we'll get to in a moment
0: how to let go of negative relationships with love and peace without holding hate in your heart easier said than done I think it's easier probably to hold the hate in your heart. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's the answer. That's the answer. No, it t- it takes a lot of work to get there. It, it's not something that you know Josh or I can just you know say a couple pithy things and be like, oh, that's how I let go of the hate. I think anytime well, like I was talking about on the drive uh, to the to the studio this morning, like I really had to stop and be like, okay, Ryan, you have negativity in your heart right now. You are perpetuating this. What can you do to help curb that negativity? How can you show this person compassion? Mm-hmm. And the more I work towards compassion, the easier it's going to be to show them compassion. Right. But that I think that spark of negativity or that spark of hate in in this you know questions example, uh, it's always going to be there. It's not a matter of how do you get rid of it. It's a matter of how do you deal with it when it arises. Same thing with jealousy mm-hmm. and anger. It's like when those emotions arise, how do you deal with them?
1: I, I do think it's possible. Not easy, as you said. I do think it's possible. To get rid of it. Yeah, of course. Uh, Yes, anything's possible. I think there there are two ways that I go about it. One is what we already talked about with the Marie Kondo question Mm -hmm. is how would Marie Kondo deal with negativity? She would thank it and let it go, meaning she would be thankful for the relationship. Mm -hmm. But at some point, you have to let it go if it continues to be negative. It's the drowning Mm. person. If you can't save them because they are continuing to
0: flail, you don't want them to drag you under as well. But that's a great point though about thanking the relationship. So to to help let go of that hate, there's got to be something with that relationship that you do appreciate. Maybe it was just like Having a nice conversation once I'm over dinner. Yes. And just be thankful for that moment and concentrate on the parts that you're grateful for. This actually just helped me with this person that I was dealing with. It's like mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that I'm really thankful for with this person that we had a disagreement with a few weeks ago.
1: And it doesn't mean you have to bring them back into your life. Mm-hmm. In fact, thanking them can be one of the best ways to let go. In addition to thanking, so if I were to give a two part answer to this, it's thanking and forgiving. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I believe that forgiving. Is useful in a couple ways. One mm-hmm. is it helps you continue a relationship with someone if you want to do that, but it also allows you to let go—not of the person always, but of the hate that you have in your heart. Yeah, that d- it lets you let go of the discontent. Now you might want to let go of the person as well, mm-hmm. but by forgiving someone, truly forgiving someone, you are moving beyond the 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 indiscretion mm-hmm. that they created. That they inserted into your life Mm -hmm. you're you're, so if if mariah were to cheat on you ryan Mm -hmm. and and she did something malicious and Mm -hmm. and and it was awful and and it really hurt you at some point the best way to get past that especially if you wanted to stay with her but even if you didn't Mm -hmm. the way to get past it the way to set it down Mm -hmm. is to forgive her yeah and if you forgive her that means you're not going to keep holding on to the negative emotions you're not going to keep holding on to to the malice that you feel for that situation a true forgiving means that you set all of that down why because it's so much easier to move forward without the extra
0: baggage yeah yeah i love that man the path uh the path to, yeah, letting go of hate is forgiveness.
1: Yeah, yeah so thank them and forgive them. Now, Ryan, the, let me get back to this meta-considerate thing. So back to, who was it? Was it Michaela's question? Debbie Ann, I think. Oh, Debbie Ann. Okay, Debbie Debian. Oh, yeah. Uh, she said, I have the opposite problem from negativity. My friend goes to great lengths to be overly nice. Mm-hmm. So she's, saying that she's not being negative, but remember, she's being meta-inconsiderate. Yeah. In this essay from Derek Sivers, which uh, you can go to Sivers.org slash Meta C. It's called Meta Considerate. My friend has a huge crush on someone. He showers her with attention mm. and appreciation.
0: He's a simp. <laughs> 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 He're, you just go to your friend and be like, stop being a simp. <laughs> yeah, you cock. <laughs> Wait a minute.
1: <laughs> he remembers her preferences and constantly gives her thoughtful gifts. Mm. He thinks he's being considerate. Man, isn't this? I mean, this is Debian's question. Yeah, here, right? it is. Yeah, he thinks he's being considerate, but he's actually being inconsiderate, meta inconsiderate, by holding up by holding her up on a pedestal, by making it clear that he looks up to her. He's making her look down on him. Mm.
0: That's a great analogy.
1: This is something I tell uh, Bex so all the time. I say, I'm not putting you on a pedestal. I'm bringing you up on the pedestal with me, mm. because I, I, I the only time I put her on a pedestal is when we're on a pedestal together. Because I really, I, I'm, a, I'm super attracted to her. I'm really into her, like our relationship. But I also want to acknowledge that like, it's inconsiderate. If I just put her up here on, uh, and, and worship her, Yeah, that's making her look down on me. Who wants to look down on their partner? That's why we use that term. Like, you know, obviously you're joking, but a term like simp mm-hmm. is because a, 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 this person that we call a the simp, they're putting someone on a pedestal. Right. And making that person look down on them, yeah, that is not considerate at all. So let me keep going here. Uh, he's making her look down on him. People want a romantic partner that's a catch, someone almost out of their league. We want a good deal. We want to win someone. By chasing her relentlessly, he's denying her the pleasure of desire. Mm. He's not letting her dance. Since he keeps pushing forward, there's nowhere for her to go but backward. He's not letting her come to him. Being superficially considerate can be deeply inconsiderate. Mm. Doing the opposite is often ultimately more considerate. I call it meta-considerate. Meta-considerate by contrast. It's considerate to not bore my friends with my problems. It's meta-considerate to tell them my problems, to let them feel needed and helpful, to let them know they're safe to do the same. Mm. It's considerate to greet someone with a smile. It's meta-considerate to not smile until they've said something so they can feel that smile was sincerely for them, not presented to just anyone. It's considerate to tell them a white lie. But it's metaconsiderate to tell them the uncomfortable truth. Mm. More metaconsiderate examples. The jazz club hidden behind an unmarked door. The meticulous craftsman that has a nine month waiting list because he custom makes every order himself. Musicians like Miles Davis, Joni Mitchell, and Bob Dylan that gave nothing but the music and didn't ask for your love.
2: Mm. Woo. And
0: good,
1: finally. Man. Being silent in conversation to let your friend fill in the space and share more.
2: Mm. Uh,
0: last line here. Our shallow wants and deeper needs are often the opposite. Yeah. So, in a very loving way, Debbie Ann, you have to help your friend see how their actions are, yeah, being meta inconsiderate.
1: Yes and how, how you can help them be meta-considerate. Maybe right. share,
0: sh- simply share that essay from Derek Sivers. And you know what? Like That's a, a friend who wants to be such a, a good friend to you. I would posit that this is an easier conversation yes. than having a, a conversation with someone who's negative towards you. Right. Yeah. They, they just don't know how to best approach it, and
1: if you right. can help show them mm-hmm. the best approach, yeah, they might get there. Right. All right, Ryan. Let's uh, let's look at Vanessa's question here. Oh, we, we already
0: did Vanessa. But let's look at Michelle's question. How do you prevent other people's negativity from turning you negative? Well, a you got to cut those people out, or at least ask them to stop being so negative around you. I've I've had that with family where yeah, yeah where yeah. they want to constantly be negative, and I'm like, look, I love you. I love having conversations with you, but. We have to find some room to be positive. Mm. So uh, let's focus on more positive things because if we're just going to focus on negative things, like I have to step away from this because yes. it makes me negative.
1: You know, I, I'll give you a specific example when I did this. Hmm. I did it with myself. Uh, I, <laughs> I found myself, especially when I was going through those health problems. I was, I was, I was. I'd get caught in that that downward spiral of negativity. Mm and what was me this is never going to be over and i finally told myself literally out loud in the mirror uh, simon marshall gave me uh, uh this exercise he's a, a therapist um and he he basically said you know you have to have this conversation with yourself and and what i did was i said hey i can't be around this version of you mm. i said it to myself yeah and and it made me change my own behavior because I said, hey, look, I can't be around this version of you. And if I can say that to myself, yeah. I certainly should be able to say that to someone else.
0: Yeah, and even if somehow you can help them understand that, like, even if it was me who was behaving this way, I wouldn't be able to be around myself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And try to help them, Yeah, understand that. All right. Tiana,
1: at the very bottom, Ryan, has a question for us.
0: How can we find non-negative people? You can go visit non people.com <laughs>
1: Send them for their email list. <laughs> uh, well, it's actually, that's a good segue. Uh, uh, I mean, f- a few places. The community tab on Patreon is a great place to share your experiences. Yeah. Also, if you're in one of the eight countries where we have meetup groups, minimalist.org, mm-hmm. there's 100 free local meetup groups. Mm-hmm. You could find people there. You know what? I bet you there's some negative people in those meetup groups too, though. Oh, yeah. And, and so it doesn't mean you're going to find uh, perfect people in, in these groups. Have we cussed yet on this episode? I mean, it's Patreon. So yeah. But it, Sean's saying no. <clears throat>
0: um, all right, then I won't cuss. Uh, I'll just say it politely. Okay. G- uh, get off of social media. Mm. <laughs> if you wanna, if you wanna find negative, if you wanna find non-negative people, get off of social media mm. and start, uh, and start building relationships other ways. Because Ooh. I have a, I have a feeling that a lot of the negative, n- negativity that Tiana is experiencing is coming from Facebook. It's coming from Twitter it's coming from other places so many of our negative relationships are birthed
1: out of what proximity mm-hmm. right which is just closeness to mm-hmm. someone right yeah, yeah. so or or convenience now yeah. that's social media all of a sudden people who were not close to you they're now in your proximity they're mm. right there they're literally right here on this glowing screen yeah it doesn't get closer than that right yeah. until it's been inserted into some microchip in my head yeah. but until then it doesn't get close to that so Negative relationships are birthed out of proximity and convenience. What else is convenient? Well, we happen to work next cubicle over from each other. We work in the same restaurant or retail store. Yeah. Uh, we 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 work at the same job. These negative relationships are often relationships we feel that we have to be around. You can limit your time around them. So maybe the answer to your question is actually in the question itself. How do, how do you identify? Let's just let's let's take that word non out of here, Ryan. Mm-hmm. If I were to read this question again, is how can we find negative people? <laughs> that that's an easy answer, right? Yeah. Yeah. There, proximity and convenience. Well, what's the opposite of that? We need to seek out inconvenient relationships. Mm-hmm. And if we seek out inconvenient relationships, ones that there's a vetting process involved, what's that vetting? Well, it means we share similar values. How do I identify what my values are? Well, you go to theminimalists.com/v, there's a essay right there that says how to understand your values and you you take a look you identify what your values are you start to identify the values of other people Mm -hmm. and if you value non-negative relationships then that's one of your values it's going to be one of your structural values probably
0: dude you know this it's interesting because i feel like michelle's question and tiana's question are kind of the same you know how do you prevent others negativity from turning you negative uh i mean that's that is why I had to get off of Facebook. It was creating such negativity in my life because I was in this phony world where people are expressing recreational outrage. Therefore it made me want to push against their recreational outrage to the point where it was sticking with me all day long. And like I had to, I mean, I had to identify like, Oh, I'm f- I- I'm constantly having these arguments in my head because of Facebook. And uh yeah, so I got off of there. So uh you're, what
1: you're saying here Ryan is your brain <clears throat> is a domicile. Mm. And you're going to let
0: you're a domicile.
1: You're going to let people pay or you're going to let people have access to it rent free. The mm. question is who do you want to give rent-free access to this domicile because there's only so much space in there, right? There's 24 hours in a day. There's our our focus, our attention can be spent only on a finite amount of discrete bits of input. Mm. And you get to decide, am I gonna focus on the negativity? Am I going to let the negative people free rent in my head Mm And if I am, who am I pushing out yeah. by giving
0: those people the free rent? Amen. One more thing I'll add to Tiana. The more positivity you put out, you will attract that into your life. And I'm not talking about the secret here. I'm just talking about when you're expressing positivity. It's contagious. Exactly. All right, y'all. Love people use things. Thank you, patrons.
2: The minimalists. <laughs>